And Sony was swinging their dick around because of how long everybody was saying, we don't know what's coming from Sony. We don't know what's coming from Sony. And Sony came out and they dropped their dick right on the floor, right with the KOTOR announcement, and they finished out strong. And I'm sorry for being a little vulgar, but that's basically why I've been for the last week or for the last couple of days really giving it to the Xbox. Well, you on, you need to uh, stop because you don't need perpetuate new fanboys and bullshit or try to drag us back into the console wars. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Everybody and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 495. I'm your host, Chicky Mick, alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend. It's Alex. I don't know about you guys, but I have recently jumped into a game that has just attracted so much of my attention. I'm I'm an enamored with the new game that I'm playing, and I cannot wait to tell you all about it. He brings the awesome. It's I yield to no one. Tricky is still trying to stoke the fires of a console war that most people in our area have given up on. And my Bengals won today. I'm a happy guy. When you say you're, when you say your area, what do you mean? Like the way you live? I mean, like the guys I hang out with, the Facebook group. We don't, we, we don't care. Okay, play, I, play, play, I, play, play, I, play what you want to play. Everything you've tried to do to stoke uh, a... The console war, everybody's just like, okay, whatever. See, Tricky, what we're talking about is a an article that Tricky sent to our personal chat on no, Messenger. No, no, he's he's talking about other things that have been posted in the Facebook group. Oh, but you also are trying to stoke it with the a recent article you sent us, and you're like, oh, I'm part of communities that you guys don't see. Then if those communities are trying to stoke fanboy wars, you should probably leave those communities. If that's what they care about. Okay, first of all, I'm only ripping back to a lot of people that are ripping. You you guys uh, have had conversations with Levi, and I have too, where he is trying to get everybody to go to PC Master Race. And, you know, even it, it's funny because even as you sent the text message back saying we're not talking about this, there was something posted in a Facebook group where somebody goes, where Levi said, well, that's the, only, that's the reason why you only play those games on PC. Well, to be fair, Levi wants your help to find a PS5 right now. So yes, he does. But so when you guys and I'm with you on on some points of the fact that the console wars are dead, but in some people's eyes, it's still going. And the article that I pointed out was not necessarily to talk about what the article was actually talking about. I was trying to bring it on the fact that saying. You know, let's talk about the console wars because I know Yield's opinion is that they're dead and buried and they should be. Uh, Alex, your position is you're not going to give a platform to that kind of conversation, and I get that as well. But if the community is having a conversation about this, then but, we should but see give, our offer community our isn't like that. The community that we rep, the the people that we see that are most vocal in our community, they're not repping that. They don't care about that, and that's what Yield was saying earlier. And here's the thing. If you want to pick apart each console and you want to sit there and look at a showcase for a certain platform holder and then pick apart 
just the small details like reusing assets, which saves money. So if somebody's reusing assets, you know, as long as they're still like up to date and still look good, then fine. That's fine with me. But if you're going to pick apart that because you have sour grapes about what was shown off at another uh, platform holders showcase, then fuck off. Like, like go you and you mouth breathers go to your own little dungeon where you all can sit there on the message boards and talk about how much you hate Microsoft or how much you hate Sony or how much you hate Nintendo. Fuck off and leave the rest of us alone. Well, to be fair, the article that I posted was a guy basically shaming the the, the fanboy wars. He was saying this is the most idiotic thing I've ever heard of in my life. It is. I'm not talking about the person who wrote the article, but the people who are perpetuating that shit within the article and trying to take shots because they own one console and they want to validate their purchase of, of one console by taking shots at another console or another platform holder. Fuck you, get out of here. I And no, I don't want to give a platform to those people because those opinions are bullshit and we should leave them in the past. All right, so let's get on with our show. Let's give you an updated trophy count. I am level 617, total trophies of 14,432 with a plaque count of 269. Alex? I am level 448, total trophy count of 7,511 with a platinum count of 116 and 115 games. Yield? Level 44 or 456, trophy count of 7716 and a plat count of 134. And Sid is a level 518 with total trophies of 10,495 with 180 platinums. All right, so let's get into what we're playing. Yield, we'll start off with you this week. I've been playing some uh, Baja, Edge of Control, uh, Grim Fandango, and Rocket League. All right, uh, Alex? I'm really digging all the Tim Schafer love we got going on the shows recently. Keep that up, people. So, I have been playing a game. I didn't even know this game came out. Apparently it came out on the 7th, and I just went to the PlayStation Store because I was going to actually look for Hades to purchase Hades. And uh, this one game that we talked about from a previous PlayStation showcase or uh, a state of play, Fist, uh, Force and Shadow Torch, was a game that uh, that I had seen and that I think we had all had seen. And, 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 you know, most of us had expressed some interest in the game because it looked really cool. So I saw that game had released. And I'm like, oh, shit, I want to play this because the game looked really cool. And it's a great game. I'm loving it. I'm having so much fun with it. It is a Metroidvania-style game, which I don't know why we call it Metroidvania. I mean, yes, it's a cool name, and, like, I like both Metroid and Castlevania. Well, probably more Castlevania than Metroid, but Metroid did it first, so I don't know why we give so much credit to Castlevania for something they did in the aftermath of Metroid starting it. Anyway, that's another conversation for another time. But it's, it's one of those style of games where it's an exploration game, an action exploration game where, you know, you go through levels... And certain areas are locked off until you gain certain upgrades or certain weapons later in the game, and then you come back and you explore those new areas. Uh, and it, I mean, it's a really fun game. Combat is it's great. It, you like when you punch things, it you can feel almost the weight of the punches. Like you can feel how substantial the attacks are, and it's just incredibly fun combat. But then there's also you know a few stealth se- sections to break it up and give it some variety. And there uh, there's also you know like I said some 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 puzzle solving. There's exploration. So there's a whole lot that has gone to this game. There are three total attachments for your mechanical suit. So there's the fist, but there's also a drill, which you can use not only for combat, but for puzzle solving and exploration, and also a whip. So it's not just like you're just punching things. Like, there are actually other weapons you get to use along the way. So, uh, and the way they incorporate them is really cool. So again, super fun game. 
I think I played around 12 hours, and I don't even know if I'm halfway through the game yet. So it's a decent-sized game for $30. Um, you're going to have to work for the Platinum. You know, the trophies don't pop, you know, just 10 a minute or 10 every 10 minutes. You're going to have to work for this Platinum. Uh, but it's going to be well worth it because it's a really fun game. Visually, uh, it's beautiful. I love the art style of the game. I love the way it looks. It just, the art style is great. And just the gra- graphically, it, graphically, it looks so damn good. Really, the only negatives I have to say, uh, the title, I don't know. The title doesn't really jump out at me. It never did. It's kind of a weird title. So I kind of, I think, I feel like they could have picked a better title. That's that's a little nitpicky though, but also like another nitpick, they refer to because the main character is a rabbit. His name's Ray, short for Raiden, and uh, so like the characters in the game are all animals, uh, except for the enemy, the Legion. They call them the Iron Dogs because they're a bunch of mechan they're the robots. So it's basically the the Legion versus the Ferdisons of Torch City, uh, and that the name Ferdisons kind of annoys me. That's my other nitpick. So so citizens are Ferdisons, and I don't know. Every time I hear that name, it kind of kind of, like, nails on a chalkboard. It's like, ugh, ugh, that's, that's, that's way too corny. Uh, but other than that, the game is a ton of fun. Uh, I love that. Two small nitpicks. I, if you like a game that's kind of like Metroid and Castlevania, you should absolutely pick this up, because the action is great, the combat's great, and it just, it looks fantastic. So there's, there's, I don't really have much bad to say about this game, and, uh, yeah, I just encourage everybody to play it. And the cool, the cool thing about this game is, it's actually, uh, may not realize this but you know people talk about you know what playstation has on the hopper we don't really have we haven't had a roadmap to playstation's future in the next couple years until we had the showcase last week last thursday this game is only out on playstation 5 playstation 4 and pc so it's essentially console wise a playstation exclusive which is you know really cool because the game is awesome i also do want to make note that if you buy uh the PlayStation, I bought it on the PlayStation 5, and I also got the PlayStation 4 version for the same price. So 30 bucks for both versions of the games. Awesome game, super fun, good chunk of content in there, so I absolutely recommend Fist, Force, and Shadow Torch to anybody who likes that style of game. Uh, I forgot to mention that I got a new Platinum, some somehow, some way. Okay, what was your new Platinum? Psychonauts 2. Uh, I do... Just kind of a wrap-up on Psychonauts. As everyone knows, if you've listened recently, I'm very high on the game, and I maintain that. it's As a fan of Psychonauts, the original, and playing that, and just being so excited for a sequel, this game was everything I could have wanted and more. Just bigger, badder, better. I do want to point out, before we before we leave the topic, like just a big pro and a big con. I want to, I want to leave the pro to the end, because overall, I want to leave a very positive impression of the game, because it is a lot of fun, but the the collectibles you do when it comes to the Platinum Trophy for Psychonauts 2, you're going to have to get all the collectibles, which, specifically when it comes to the figments of the imagination, that can become a huge burden. Like, you go back through and you play the levels, because you can free roam after you beat the game, but it does get annoying trying to go back and get the, the collectibles, like, because guides for the collectibles online, like, some of these levels have 200 plus figments, and I doubt anybody really wants to be sitting there on a YouTube video trying to watch for a half an hour, 45 minutes, and seeing where exactly this one figment they're missing is. Uh, So I said, fuck it. I didn't even use any guides. I just went back and just scoured each level and managed to, uh, luckily, within a couple days, finish out all the the collectibles. Um, But yeah, the the collectibles are kind of a pain in the ass. One thing I would really like to see, if they make a a Psychonauts 3 or something, they could have done better. Once you beat the game or, you know, just make just make something you could purchase from the shop, something that's, you know, maybe potentially super expensive or, you know, the most expensive item in the game, be like a figment finder 
or some kind of collectible finder would or tell you or make a noise or beep whenever you get close to an item or maybe even just mark it on the map for you because you know if you pay that amount of money if you save up for it like you should be rewarded for that and it kind of I don't know, going through and just collecting, going through the collectibles is just a pain in the ass. And so I think something like a, a figment finder, which can help it make it easier that you actually have to earn through buying it, I, I think that could be definitely be a positive for the game or any future games in the series. Uh, but overall, like the, the last, you know, very positive thing I want to leave about this game is, you know, we talk, I talked about how uh, the writing is really good and the characters, like I love the characters, they're so endearing, and all the worlds that they have created going inside people's brains, just how they're very unique to each person, and, and how the, and creative they are. One of the things I didn't really talk about was how good the story is. The story in Psychonauts 2 is really good, and I think that you can kind of get lost in just all the other creativity that has gone into the game. So I did want to say that the story in Psychonauts 2 was also one of my favorite aspects of that game, something that deserves a lot of praise, because Double Fine did a great job with that as well. So that's just kind of the one last positive I wanted to leave. All right. Uh, and I have been playing uh, some Olympic Games Tokyo 2020. Uh, I finished up The Walking Dead and New Frontier. I don't know if I said that last week or not. Well, actually, I was on last week's show, so that might not have been said. Uh, Saints Row the Third Remastered on the PS5 and The Walking Dead Final Season. Uh, it's not straightforward platinum as I thought it was. No, no, no. The five, they actually, you're going to have to go back and play again. Well, I, I looked up a trophy guide, and they said that uh, if you do it with some very unique game saves, you can do it in one playthrough. Well, yeah, but still, it's it's not your typical Telltale game where it's play the game, gets platinum. Which I was fine with that. And that's all I've been playing, so let's move on to our first topic. Uh, you the guys first of a thousand old? topics. Well, that's because we had a PlayStation Showcase. But before we get into that, you guys remember the topic of Epic versus Apple? Uh, I do, yes. And I'm surprised by this outcome, to be honest. All right, so we have an update coming from IGN and is written by Rebecca Valentine. Even though a U.S. court ruled today that Apple was not a monopoly, it did not violate antitrust laws in the Epic versus Apple suit, it did not have kind things to say about Apple's 30% take rate on in-app purchases. In its final order, the court goes over numerous arguments from the case, at one point addressing the fact that Apple takes a 30% cut of all purchases occurring in apps published on the store. Though the 30% rate has been common in-game and app industry for years, in recent times, platforms such as Steam, Microsoft, and Epic itself has opted to take less while Apple has dug its heels in. This is brought as evidence against Apple, with Epic suggesting that its hold on the market and insist on 30% ultimately drove prices up for consumers, Apple argued that not only was 30% an industry standard, but that developers get a... I don't even know if that's a word. Come... Uh, it's, a, it's a value from the App Store to make up the cut. Uh, but the judge disagreed, calling the take, quote, unjustified. Quote, one, developers could decide to stay on the Apple App Store to benefit from the services that Apple provides. Absent compensation, compensation, however, it is impossible to say that Apple's 30% commission reflects the fair market value of its services. Indeed, at least a few of the developers testified that they considered Apple's rate to be too high for the services provided. Two, Apple has provided no evidence that the rate it charges bears any quantifiable relation to the services provided. To the contrary, Apple started with a proposition. The proposition revealed that itself itself to be incredibly profitable and there appears to be no market forces to test the proposition or motivate a change 
and it's an equal. Basically, the judge is saying the 30% rate Apple takes is impossible to determine the value of because there isn't enough competition to suggest otherwise. Furthermore, it doesn't seem like Apple does for developers any relation to the money they take from in-app purchases. The court further went on to say, point out the justification for 30% rate could be determined if a third-party store put pressure on the company to innovate and provide features to developers it had previously neglected. But the competition currently held back. There's just no way to tell. Again, the ruling doesn't call Apple monopoly, just, quote, anti-competitive, end quote, and its share of the mobile market between 52 and 57 percent that it battles with Google, making for an uh, ecosystem that Apple has, quote, considerable market value within, end quote. All right, there's more to this article. Basically, the court says that the 30 percent rate is uh, there's no way to value if that's uh, fair or not. So they have ruled against it. And then uh, also it ruled that Apple must allow developers to take direct app users to outs. Uh, excuse me. Judge rules Apple must allow developers to direct app users to outside payment options. Um, so all the times we talked about this yield, we're going to start with you. What do you think about this? Like, I mean, I know Alex has already said this is not the outcome he saw coming. What do you think about all this? That's just a lot to take in. And I've said it before. It has it's Fortnitey stuff. So I I I, I don't care. I mean, it, I mean, it covers more than just Fortnite. Like my, well, I, I know, I know, but it, it, it's Apple. It's computer stuff, and we're we're console stuff. So I. So what surprises me about this is that it, look, if Epic agreed to these terms beforehand, and then all of a sudden decided they didn't like it and tried to change it, then like. That's one way it could be like, how the fuck can you rule against Apple? Because they directly agreed to this and then tried to circumvent it in the in you know in the aftermath. But if you know Apple and Epic agreed to something in the first point, and then all of a sudden you know Apple starts raising the their cut they get over the years, and then Apple, and then Epic's like, oh wait a minute, this kind of fucking sucks. Then I can understand. Um, but if it's a, a you know an agreed upon thing, you know if Apple says this is what this is the the cut we get, and to host your game on our services, that's just what you have to do. And it kind of stays that way, and that's the number you agree to. And then one day you realize you don't like it. Like I don't know how you can rule against Apple. Or not. I, I mean, I understand the judge's reasoning, but unless Apple kept raising the cut that they take on Epic, um, I don't. I don't know why Epic would win this. Uh, I will say that uh, within Pokemon Go, which is a mobile game that I do play, there are like you can buy coins within the Pokemon Go app. I don't know how much of a cut Apple gets to that, but you don't have to go to the App Store to buy coins for Pokemon Go. You can just buy it through the app, which is kind of what Fortnite had done, right? Like, they they made it so you could directly buy V-Bucks through Fortnite instead of just going through the App Store. Right, and that, I mean, that's basically what they're talking about. But the, what they're saying, what Epic was arguing was the fact that it if you had to buy V-Bucks on the mobile phone, you had to do it through the game, but the marketplace had to go through Apple instead of going directly to Epic. And that's what they fought it along saying that Apple was taking 30% of their money. So every dollar you spent 30 cents was being kept by Apple before the other 70 was given to Epic. Well, Epic Epic's really hurting for money. Well, now Epic is turning around and saying that the 30% was too much and that they should be able to get a hundred percent of the money that they're spent, that they're doing. Well, but I don't here's, but here's agree the thing. with Epic. But here's the thing. Like, Apple, then Apple, what is Apple getting from hosting Fortnite? Because Fortnite's free to play, correct? Like, you don't have to pay to purchase it. 
it is free to play, but you have to pay to host it on their service. Okay, okay. Then if if you if you are paying to host it there, then I understand. But also, like the question is, did did Epic originally agree to the thirty percent, and then now they don't like it because they're not making as much money as they would, so they're trying to change everything? Like, well, yes and no, because they 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 agreed to it when they put it on the store, but at, when they put it on the store, and they gave Fortnite to everybody, it there wasn't a, a another market for them to go through. Well, I mean, I I would be shocked if 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 mobile most people are not playing Fortnite on mobile. Correct. Most people are playing on console, so I don't know how much money is being made off mobile Fortnite. I mean, given the amount of money that Fortnite has made, I would assume it's some. But I like who who plays that on their phone? Well, there are some people that play it on their phone. I mean, there are some, but the bulk of their money comes from consoles. Right, but this is but seeing them fighting Apple on this has now given them a precedent to start uh, going against Xbox and switch and playstation now they have a, a basis to say their argument is they they should be able to get their money directly instead of having to go through the console and i'm using console in quotation marks here console uh their their store well here's the thing though then nintendo sony microsoft xbox microsoft xbox nintendo sony microsoft and apple can say okay we're going to charge you more to host your game on our servers or our service absolutely because right right now, like the reason, like we have a proven gamer app for uh, for the podcast. It's on Android only because Apple wants to charge ninety nine dollars a year for us to host a free app on their service, and I wasn't willing to pay the ninety nine dollars until I knew there was enough people out there that wanted the app. So, I mean, arguably, you can say that you know Epic is only paying ninety nine dollars a year, uh, but you also have to understand it's. You pay $99 a year for the developer's license, not actually to host the app on the store. So for, if I paid $99, I could put a 1,000 apps on the app store and only pay the $99. And that's what Apple was saying. It's like, if you want to put your app on the store, that's fine, but you have to go through our marketplace in which we're going to take a 30, 30% cut. And now you know, Epic has turned around and said, that's not fair, and they sued, and they won. Uh, Apple and Epic have both uh, issued statements after the ruling. Uh, Apple has said, quote, today the court has affirmed that we have known all along the App Store is not in violation of antitrust law. As the court recognized, quote, success is not illegal, end quote. Apple face, faces rigorous comp- competition in every segment in which we do business, and we believe customers and developers choose us because our products and services are the best in the world. We remain committed to ensuring the App Store is safe and trusted marketplace that supports a thriving developer community and more than 2.1 million U.S. jobs where the rules apply equally to everyone, end quote. Hold on, before we go on, I do want to say that there's some bullshit in that statement because anyone who knows, who has used the Apple Podcast app, knows that that thing fucking sucks. It is awful. Uh, Tim Sweeney has responded on Twitter on behalf of Epic saying, quote, Today's ruling isn't just a winner for developers or for our consumers. Epic is fighting for fair competition among in-app payment methods and app stores for a billion customers. Fortnite will return to the iOS app store when and where Epic can offer in-app payment in fair competition with Apple's in-app payment, passing along the savings to our consumers. Thanks to everyone who's put so much time and effort into the battle over fair competition on digital platforms, and especially thanks to the court for managing a very complex case on a speedy timeline we will fight on, end quote. All right. So 
Uh, I think we've all said our piece, and we can move on here. Uh, next bit of news, Sony has bought their third PlayStation Studio, or excuse me, their third studio this year, and this time it is Fire Sprite. Uh, this is coming from IGN. It's written by Taylor Lies. Uh, as noted on the PlayStation blog, Fire Sprite has worked closely with Sony, creating several titles together. Most notably, the developer helped create the Playroom and the Playroom VR. Fire Sprite is the developer behind The Persistence, a horror shooter originally released on the PS4 as a PS4, PSVR title, before coming a non-VR version of PS on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC two years later. Uh, it is something full circle... It's something of a full circle moment as Firespray has formed members of the disbanded Sony Liverpool after it closed in 2012. With over a 250-person team, Firesprite marks a major addition to PlayStation's stable developers. Uh, in an interview with Game Industry, Firesprite confirmed that it would work on games outside of the genres currently covered by Sony's other in-house studios. This marks the third studio Sony Interactive Entertainment has purchased in 2021. In June, Sony acquired Housemark, the finished developer that released Returnal. And earlier this year, Sony had, uh, had acquired Nixus, a Dutch studio that specialized in important games to PC. Fire Sprite becomes the 14th studio in the PlayStation Studios stable. Yield? Your thoughts on that, sir? Uh, congratulations. Uh, I don't really know of them because they haven't done anything that has interested me. You never tried to play Room at all? No. You know, obviously, there's something within this company, and the company's like got more than 250 people or around 250 people. So it's a much bigger for being a lesser known studio. It's pretty big. Uh, Sony obviously sees something in this studio. I think it said it also helped them develop PlayStation VR. So I mean, they they have faith in their ability to contribute positively to the PlayStation ecosystem. So even though we haven't heard of them or I, I've never heard of them before, I, I think that Sony is, uh, you know, if they see something in them, then. Good on you for, for snapping them up. Not the sexiest buy, because obviously, you know, in light of recent Microsoft purchases and, you know, Insomniac last year and Housemark this year, it's not a big household name, but it's still obviously, you know, doesn't mean that they can't contribute to a, a very healthy PlayStation Studios ecosystem. So let's uh, let's see what they can churn out. All right. Uh, the next bit of news is coming from NintendoLife.com, and I'm just going to read a tweet by... Toys for Bob's studio head, Avery Lodato. He tweeted out, Happy anniversary of Crash. We'll see more of you very soon. Yep, 25th anniversary of Crash Bandicoot. They literally, they put out a, a YouTube video too, uh, the two co-heads of the studio, Toys for Bob, and they literally, you know, did a little bit too, like it was like a, a minute long plus video, so it wasn't very long, it was under two minutes. Uh, they didn't really share what they're planning or what they're going to do, so obviously we've had the Insane Trilogy come out. We've had a remake of you know, um, Crash Team Racing. Crash 4 is out. So who knows what they're going to do. Maybe they remake some of the old Activision games. Maybe they do Crash Team Racing 2 or Crash Team Racing Nitro Field 2. Who knows? But uh, yeah, basically they've only said that we're going to make more stuff. We don't know what it is. And given the success of Crash in recent years and how well it's been received, you would expect Activision to put out more Crash Bandicoot. If you're looking for additional ways to support us, you can always stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash ProvenGamer. No matter what tier you decide to support us at, know that it helps pay the bills and is greatly appreciated. And it's the only way to get the newest podcast, Tricky Thoughts, where Tricky sits down and discusses current events, social issues, and much more. 
Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into you, Tricky. That could be your next Tricky Thoughts, the console wars. Uh, let's get into the PlayStation Showcase. This is out of order. I just found the articles and put them in the agenda. So if this is, you know, you go, oh, you didn't say this. Give us time. We may or may not talk about your game. All right. So we have a release date for Gran Turismo 7. Uh, either one of you guys Gran Turismo fans? No, it's, it's too simulation racy for me. And yield? No. No. All right. Well, if you're interested in Gran Turismo 7, it is going to launch on the PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4. March fourth, twenty twenty two. And hey, that's next year at the in in spring or you know late winter. That's two big games. Maybe not two games that everyone wants to purchase. You know both of them, but that's Horizon Forbidden West in February, and then you got Gran Turismo Seven in March. So a couple of stacked months there for Sony. But like it, it seems like they're uh, with that, and you know with Returnal and Ratchet coming out this year very close together, they're like bunching up their releases. Maybe unintentionally, but. All right. The next thing we have is God of War Ragnarok has officially gotten a gameplay trailer showing Kratos and Atreus bickering as ever and, of course, slashing their way through enemy hordes. Revealed at the PlayStation Showcase, it looks like a more beautiful continuation of where the last game left off. It also gives us a fresh look at Thor and Freya in the main game's game's antagonist, uh, Minor. I can't say that word. Mjolnir. Thank you. Main appearance as well as enemies teleporting via the Bifrost. As discussed in the PlayStation After Show, this version of Thor is much different from the one most people have grown to get used to from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is much more early version of the hero, closer to the original Norse legend and mythology than Chris Helmel's with Hunkley Australian. That's his the article's words, not mine. Ragnarok is set a few years after the first game and will deal with the following mystery of Atreus' heritage, along with the challenges of the great winner leading up to Ragnarok coming to Midgard. Uh, it was also noticed, uh, oh, excuse me, before we get into that, God of War Ragnarok has been previously revealed with a teaser logo. It was delayed to 2022 and will be coming to the PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 with a $10 upgrade path, which we're going to get into in a future episode. We're not going to do that on this episode. So I do have a question. Because it does seem like Thor is going to be, you know, the main antagonist of this game. One of the, there, there was a kind of a wrap up, like the top 10 announcements from Sony's showcase uh, posted on Polygon.com. And the headline for the God of War section was God of War Ragnarok winds up Kratos' time in the Norse lands. Has this been advertised as the final God of War in the Norse timeline? I didn't hear that. Um, but everybody, I, I saw internet rumors figuring that because this was going to be God of War Ragnarok and Ragnarok is technically the end of Asgard that a lot of people are speculating. This is the last game. I don't think it is. I think that Thor is not even the main antagonist of this game. I think it's Odin. And well, that, that, that's, that's what I've said all along is it's going to be Odin because in the first game, there was such a big infamous emphasis on Ravens and like all the mention of all father. And then you get down into Helheim, and there's a giant raven sitting in the background. So all signs point to Odin being kind of the big bad in this. Now, granted, in the Greek, Greek timeline, obviously Zeus was the big bad at the end of God of War II, and you fought him again in God of War III. So there is a precedent for if they want to have Thor show up in this game, you fight him in the end, you don't kill Thor, but then you fight him in the third game. If there is a third game, they could always do that too. 
uh, like I said, kind of like the precedent they set with the Greek one, but it just makes too much sense for them to go to from Thor to Odin. Because how how do you, you know, have Odin kind of be this omnipresent thing and then you don't pay that off? Uh, okay, before we go on uh, to another topic, uh, it was announced that Cory Barlog will not be directing this game. Instead, the latest installment of God of War will be feature serious veteran Eric Williams in the director seat while Barlog is moving on to work on an other unannounced project. Now, I want to ask you guys this because I find this a little weird, but I also find it a little refreshing that the fact that through all the God of War games, with the exception of Kari Barlog, has been a different director for every single game. Jaffe was the first one, then there was Cory Barlog, then Stig, then there was Todd Pappy for Ascension, and then Cory again. So they've never had two of the same director in a row. But you also got to, uh, not that, I don't know if you, know, you really want to count them, but you got to count the the Vita titles. Yeah, as but well. th- those were made by Ready at Dawn, so they obviously would have a different game director. But, okay, so my question to you, and you'll, I mean, you've been kind of quiet, so hopefully maybe we'll get some answers out of you this way. Do you think that having different directors for a a video game series helps or hurts the series? Well, obviously it hasn't hurt God of War. That's pretty much all you need to say. That was the response that was going through my head. It's like, God of War's been pretty successful, if not Sony's most successful franchise, so they've clearly picked the right people to helm each game. See, I think it kind of hurts it a little bit because it, it, if you have an artistic vision of of the story you're going to tell, like, obviously, I mean, you'll, you haven't played the 2018 version of God of War. I don't think you played any God of War. But, Alex, you have Cory Barlog's uh, new direction with Kratos and Atreus in the 2018 version. Like, he set a tone for the way the character is going. To I think it. you give Corey Barlog too much credit because I think that was a decision by Sony Santa Monica as a whole, or maybe the PlayStation like studios family, like the people at the top. I don't think that was Corey Barlog's entire vision. Like, I think that there were multiple people in on that. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you you're wrong and I can prove it because when they released the documentary raising Kratos, he came out and said that they gave him full helm of the character and where to go with it. And that's what the direction he wanted to take. Okay. Well, judging by the trailer, it looks like much the same game. Right. Which is why I'm saying like, it have like obviously in the movies, like through the Avengers movies and all the MCU movies, there's been different directors. Like you had, um, like, well, I can't think of his name. The, the same guy directed Iron Man one and two. And then three was a different director. You've had different directors for every Avengers movie. But uh, that's why I'm asking like, like does it, do you feel like it hurts the the franchise if it's not done by the same person every time? I mean, again, like Yield said, what what game in the franchise? I mean, Ascension, like you could point to Ascension as a weak link, but most of the games are pretty strong and they're reviewed almost universally very highly. So, yeah, I don't I don't see any dents in the armor there. I just think that, you know. I understand the concern that maybe, you know, you liked this person's vision and then going to another person might change it a little bit. But I, I I don't think that we saw much change from one God of War to another. I think the games got increasingly better on the PS2 and PS3. So I think that from God of War 1 to God of War 3, I think we just saw improvement 
all the time. I I don't think this the series suffers at all. All right, and Gil, you you agree with that? I mean, obviously you you can't speak of God of War, but just in general. Well, I mean, it's you never really know about changing a director until after the game comes out. So it really depends on your structure of the company. Also, I guarantee that the director of this game, this new God of War, worked on the first God of War, the 2018 God of War. I don't think they brought in somebody new to work on Ragnarok. This had to be someone at Sony Santa Monica. And every and every time the the new game director worked on the previous one. So, before we move on, I do want to point out also uh, from Polyphony uh, that same article that I quoted earlier. Uh, do you know? Did you recognize the voice of Thor? I did, and I'm very excited about that. I was gonna, that was going to be my next question before I moved on. Ryan Hurst, otherwise known as Opie from the Sons of Anarchy. Good Wasn't choice. Was he on some kind of Viking show as well? Possibly. I don't know everything that Ryan Hurst has been in, but that's one show that I really enjoyed, and I thought he was a great character on there. Yeah, he, was, he, also, he was also in uh, the Walking Dead TV show. Uh, all right, so let's move on to our next Topic here, Alan Wake Remastered has a release date, and that is going to be October 5th, in which a lot of speculation has come out saying that this could possibly be a PlayStation Plus title. Yeah, because it, the next round of free PlayStation Plus games comes up on the 5th, same day as the game comes out. And as we've seen, Sony is releasing a lot of new release games straight to PlayStation Plus, so... I think there's merit to it. Whether we get it or not, that's that's another thing. But I think that, while not a given, you know, and not confirmed, I think that if you want to draw that connection, you can. All right. Uh, speaking of connecting, we have a connecting video game of a spinoff. Oh, oh we, all, but we should also mention that uh, the Alan Wake Remastered Collection comes with the two DLCs. I can't remember their names, but um, it does come with the, the two previous released add-ons. Well, let me look at the article here. As you destroyed my beautiful segue. Tricky. No one has ever said that about a tricky make segue. Beautiful. That's not just not a word. Uh, the signal and the writer. So both of those will be included in that. You got to give people all the information, Tricky. All right. Well, I was trying to give you information about Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is coming next March. Uh, Great. Moving on. <laughs> that was announced during the PlayStation Showcase. Uh, is coming to all the available systems. Uh, Yield, you... I, I don't remember. You were n- not excited about this, correct? Correct. And why is that? It... it I don't know. It's doesn't look fun. I mean... Okay. Haven't we played in the Borderlands universe enough? Like... Well, I see people wanting Borderlands 4 already. I mean, I get it. There are fans of the series. It's just like I, I played Tales of the Borderlands. And I played the first Borderlands. And there's nothing about Borderlands in the world aside from Tales of the Borderlands 2 that could ever excite me. Like, I just, I don't know. I just don't enjoy playing that universe as much as other people do. It doesn't mean that, you know, they shouldn't make more games. I just, I don't know. I feel like that's Gearbox kind of could step away from Borderlands and it would do them some good because, you know, Maybe, you know, Borderlands definitely has a, a following, but maybe you could bring more people to the table if you did something a little different than Borderlands. Obviously, well, they did something different than Borderlands, and it flopped 
horribly. Okay, well, that doesn't mean doing something different will automatically be a flop. It just means that that game wasn't good. What's that? Uh, I'm trying to look it up. They did Bulletstorm, uh, didn't they? I don't think it was Bulletstorm. Uh, hold on. I'll look it up. Games. It was, just, it was released on the PS4. Uh, okay, Gearbox has done Borderlands, Brother in Arms, Half-Life, Opposing Forces, Forza Force, Duke Nukem Forever. Battleborn is the one that flopped. Okay, well, maybe, and uh, that was actually done, uh, Bulletstorm, sorry, I mentioned it was actually done by Epic and People Can Fly. It was, it was not Gearbox, but okay, well, then maybe Battleborn just sucked. Or maybe that's a, they released a game into a very crowded area uh, like a very crowded genre, and that game just didn't stand out. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try new things. They also apparently worked on Halo uh, back in 2001, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, uh, James Bond Nightfire, and basically that's it. So, the last thing they tried to do flopped. Well, again, maybe that was a problem with Battleborn. And specifically, and not the fact that, because, like, obviously, a new idea, a new game is not going to just flop on its own. You know, there's something behind that, and maybe that people just didn't want to play that game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, it would be nice to see Gearbox do something wildly different from what they've done, because anytime Gearbox as a developer comes up, I'm just kind of like, I can shut down immediately because I don't give a fuck what they're doing. Uh, the next thing we have is people really want us to shut up about this, but GTA 5 is showed off this PlayStation 5 upgrade and has been delayed to March 2022. Uh, I'm only talking about this because it's also coming up is the 20th anniversary of GTA 3 on October 22nd. Let me know when it's the, the anniversary of the uh, Vice City because that was the better game. Agreed. Shots fired. Uh, that's not shots fired. I think everyone agrees that GTA Vice City was better than Grand Theft Auto 3. Uh, you know, I can't speak of that because I don't really remember any of those games fondly. I mean, they were pretty fun back in the day, but, you know, once you played so many of them, it's like, okay, I've I've played this before. I'm done with this. Uh, another thing we have from the showcase is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is getting an- get another sassy new trailer ahead of launch. Uh, this game is coming out on October 26th for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, S, PC, and Nintendo Switch via cloud. Uh, not a lot of people are talking about this. You guys are hyped up for Guardians of the Galaxy at all? I mean, it looks interesting. I'm still kind of waiting to see more out of it, but everything I've seen, I've liked so far. Yeah, I mean, the game looks cool. I, I think that when the next Guardians movie comes out, That'll definitely hype it up a little bit more. But, you know, and what you got to realize is that there's might be quite a bit of superhero fatigue at this point. Not only, you know, just seeing Warner Brothers doing all they're doing with their universe, the the DC Comics universe and then the MCU and not only just like the movies, but also, you know, we've had multiple Spider games, Spider-Man games come out recently. We had two more Marvel games announced at Sony Showcase. You've got everything on Disney Plus. There's just a lot of superhero stuff going on, and I understand that makes a lot of money, but you also have probably a contingent of people who are just kind of over it at this point. Kind of like, you know, zombies at some point, people were just like, my God, we've 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 hit critical mass here. All right. 
I'm going to skip a couple topics and talk about the two major things that were announced. But Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy are being remastered for the PC and the PS5 and has been packaged into one thing being called the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Collection. I mean, I know how you guys feel about re uh, remasters, but... Yeah, but... Uh, go ahead, Neil. I was going to say, this, this that's not even the best Uncharted game. Why are you wasting your time? <laughs> well, they re- released the Drake Collection. I mean, I mean, seriously, that's what I thought when I saw that. I looked at my wife and I went, that's not even the best Uncharted game. So, what? Why, why? I... I have no problem bringing back older generation games. Like, you know, so we're at the five now. So if you want to bring back a three, a two, a one game, you know what? I'm cool with that. You know, a lot of people may have missed out. You may not be able to find it. You're bringing back a game that was free already on the five through PlayStation Plus with their, uh, whatever they called it, where you've got a whole bunch of games that you could download for free being a Plus member. The PlayStation Plus collection. PlayStation Plus collection. Uncharted 4 was one of them. Yes, it was. Th- this this goes back to what to what Dupes and I was saying last week. Instead of instead of doing an upgrade, just make another game. If people want to buy it, they'll buy it. I, I, to be so, fair, Lost so, Legacy was in the PlayStation Plus collection as well. See, exactly. So why? Why are you remastering it when it was already in the Plus collection? I don't get it. Sony seems to be confused. With with what they're doing, like they're trying to appease everybody. So the way that I look at it as I've played both these games recently, I don't need to play them again, so I'm not getting this collection. Uh, if you've never played these games, you should. They're both really good. So I think that part of the reason these two games were chosen is because they're relatively new games in the Uncharted series. Uncharted 4 is obviously the newest game in that series. And they've announced that alongside the release on the PlayStation 5, they're going to release them on PC. So I think that they Sony is going back, you know, they're doing more on PC these days. They're going back to some of their more recent releases in certain series, and they're going to bring them to PC. And they're probably like, well, we're already doing this work on this game, and I think they're outsourcing the PC additions to another studio. I think that's what they said in the story. The tricky well, they, they, Earlier we said that they, they bought the Dutch studio Nixus to assist with the move. But... They, it seems like they're doing this work to already to get it to PC, or there are, you know, so why not just bring it to the five and people will buy it? You know, maybe not us, but people will buy it. And see, and I know, okay, I, this is going to start a little bit of a discussion that because I wasn't there. Uh, How wasn't dare there you want a podcast or a discussion? I, I know, like, I know how Yield like feels about. Like would and and Deuce would talk about like if I could play the PlayStation Four version on my PS Five, why do I need a PlayStation Five version of it? Because I could just play the PS PlayStation Four version of it. I get that argument, but there are a lot of people out there that are very fond of the three D audio, the haptic feedback, the PlayStation Five features that you can't get on a PlayStation Four version of a game. Now that may not mean diddly shit to anybody on this show. I happen to like it. The 3D audio is not really a big seller to me, but the haptic feedback is a game changer to me. Now, Alex, you've had a PS5. Guild, I know you haven't opened your PS5, but you have played games on the PS5. Have you played a PlayStation 5 version and felt the haptic feedback yet? No. Okay. So, and, and, I, and I don't mean to dismiss it, but until you feel that haptic feedback, 
I don't think you're fully going to understand why people want PlayStation Five versions of games. But I, but, but what I'm saying is, I'm not spending ten bucks. I'm not going to upgrade my game and spend ten bucks just for that feature. Is what I'm saying. Well, I, I don't think that they announced an upgrade for this collection. I think you just buy this collection outright. You don't have an option because it is a collection. They can't just offer you an upgrade. Well, no, 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 yeah, yeah, because you're going to buy this for the five. You're going to get that. What I'm, what Tricky's asking me, unless I'm wrong, would be like if I want to upgrade Horizon or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to do that for, for the haptic feedback in the 3D audio. I'm 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 just not. I'm gonna save my ten bucks. If I want those features, I'll buy that game on the five. Right, and that and that's what their option is right now. Like I you have played uh uh Uncharted Four. I think you got the platinum on it. Yes. You've played Lost Legacy, you've gotten the platinum on it. Not yet. I know you but, as but a, I will. Okay, I know you as a gamer, you're Satisfied with it. You're you're okay, you've done what you wanted to do with the game, you're done. You don't ever need to play that game again. I get that. But there are some people out there that that ten dollar upgrade feature is worth it. And like okay, I I said we were gonna do this on another show, but I've seen the comments like where Sony released uh reversed their opinion and their stance on Horizon and saying that everybody that buys the PlayStation 4 version is going to get the PS5 version for free. Yeah. And then and then the, the argument was like, well, then why would anybody buy the PlayStation 5 version? Because they're going to get it for free and save $10. I get that. And see, I, I don't know. And like, like but, said, to me, I'm, I'm, but to me, it can't be to me. It can't be the same game. There, there has to be a little bit of things that are different on the five disc than it is the four. If that's the case, then just make all, just make them all four games and and pay an upgrade. Well, see, and and I, going back because I, I like we started off the show talking about the console wars and everything. One of the things I'm seeing, you know, in the in the console wars arguments back and forth between the communities is that. There's no real like Xbox Series S or X game because all their games are Xbox One games that when you put it into the system, it, it through smart delivery, it upgrades them to an X or S version of the game. Yeah, we, we talked about that last week. Okay, so it, that same argument can be brought to, well, if Sony's going to release Horizon Forbidden West for the PS4, why would I pay for the the PS5 version of it when I'm going to get it for free? And I get that. And then people, and then in the same statement where they announced Horizon was going to be free, they said that all future games, including God of War and the other one, I can't remember, uh, Gran Turismo, there was going to be a ten dollar upcharge fee. Yeah, I get that. Like I I understand that, but on the same token, if if you're a gamer, you buy the PlayStation Four version for sixty dollars. Pay the ten dollar upgrade to get the PlayStation Five version, and now you got both versions of the game for seventy dollars. It's okay. So you mentioned that people want to, with all the PlayStation Five amenities, they want to play these games that potentially they've played before, maybe they've never played before. But some of those people will be people who are repeating a playthrough through Uncharted Four or Lost Legacy. To me personally, and to yield, I think that. Haptic feedback, like, I, I enjoy haptic feedback, like, having played games with it, I think it's a great feature, 
but it's not something that I've ever, I've ever like. I don't look back and say, "Man, I'd really love to play Shadow of the Colossus." Haptic feedback. I still enjoyed my time with those games. I still finish those games. Haptic feedback is in you know 3D audio. They're not things that you know. For me, they're not system sellers. Well, they're not something that you can. That's like just alone. It's like, well, you can now play these games. It's not something that justifies you putting out re-releases of games that or remasters of games that came out four or five years ago. Like, that's not a good enough reason for me. For some people, maybe it is. But I mentioned that I think that Alan Wake remastered and KOTOR remastered, you know, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, they are redoing that. They're rebuilding it from the ground up, so I guess it's a remake. That, you know, those are examples of really good uses of the remake or the remaster. Games that a large audience of people never got to play because they came out on 360 or PC. Games that have not been out for a long, long time, so you haven't had a chance to buy them in a long, long time. That's the perfect use of a remaster and a remake. This, to me, like I said, I think the reason that they're putting it out on the 5 is because, well, we're going to have it on the PC, so why not just have it on the 5 too? I just don't think the technology, the new technology, is so great that it warrants remastering and remaking all these old games just so you can use it within those games. Because if that's the case... Why not? Why are they not remaking and remastering and re-releasing every single older game, first-party game of the PlayStation Three and PlayStation Four era, so people can play ha- play them with haptic feedback? I didn't put it in the agenda, which I surprised me because I, I don't know how the hell I missed it. But uh, yes, Knights of the Old Republic is also being remade, and a I saw an article was saying that uh, the remake is not involving anybody from EA or Bioware. When they're making remaking the game, who's doing the remake? I don't. I don't know if I read that or not. Uh I don't remember the studio's name. Uh, Asper Media. There you go. Okay, I yeah, I've heard of them before. Um, but and it's also this is not PlayStation exclusive. It will be coming to PC and Xbox. Probably not Switch though. At launch, it will be exclusive to the PS Five. Uh, they have not announced officially that it's coming to Xbox, but everybody's assuming it is. I mean, it should. Because I think that, you know, it not being a Sony-owned property, I think that people, you know, who own Xbox Series X, S, and, you know, PC should be able to play it. All right. Let's move on to our the two big announcements that I felt was the biggest announcements. You, well, you, you don't think that God of War gameplay was the biggest announcement? No, I think these two. You don't, you don't think that Knights of the Old Republic was the big announcement? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, I sorely disagree with you. I'm not saying it wasn't a big announcement. I'm just saying I don't think it's the biggest announcement out of the showcase. I was, I yawned it. I mean, I was, I was excited, but I kind of was like, oh, okay. What, on the, on the next two? On the next two. Wow. Okay. Insomniac is making a Marvel's Wolverine game, which is very surprising. Uh, Apparently, uh, Marvel is very much trusting with Insomniac with their franchises. In a surprise reveal, this is coming from IGN and written by Rebecca Valentine. Uh, the PlayStation Showcase Spider-Man and Ratchet & Clank developer Insomniac Games revealed that it has a Wolverine game in development for the PS5, seemingly titled simply Marvel's Wolverine. The reveal was done via a very brief teaser trailer, which we saw Wolverine in a cowboy hat sitting at a bar. A very large man advances on him from behind. As the man gets closer, Wolverine's claws extend, revealing his identity. Now... I don't know if you guys saw this or picked up on it, but this is the exact bar scene from the original X-Men. 
I did not pick up on that, but that is excellent. It's a nice throwback. Uh, so immediately I saw it and recognized what it is. I didn't think it, until the clause came out. I didn't you know, really think that's what it was. But yes, this was a nice throwback to the original X-Men movie. This is the exact bar scene. Um, and it was announced that this is going to be a standalone game and is being directed by Brian Horton and Cameron Christian, the latter whom was a creative lead on Miles Morales. It is very early in development, and one hint to a story offered by the blog compared it to Spider-Man in that both heroes feel deeply compelled to defend people who are less able to, end quote. Uh, Insomniac has been very, develop- uh, very, very busy because they followed that up by announcement of Spider-Man 2. Um, and the game is going to be coming to the place exclusively to the PlayStation 5 in 2023. And the main prota- uh, protagonist in this game. No, 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 the, the antagonist. Antagonist, sorry. Uh, as I said, I was like, that's wrong. Is going to be Venom this time. Now, uh, did either one of you guys play the original Spider-Man game? No, not yet. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler. It, this is the end credit scene from the original Spider-Man. Um, I... I if, if for listeners, if you do not want to know what I'm about to say, skip ahead about 20 seconds so I can give some context to Alex and Yield for why Venom is a unique choice for this game. So at this point, count 20 seconds, come back. Because Venom is uh, Spider-Man's arch enemy? No, because at the, in the end credit scene, it is revealed that the Venom symbiote is being used to cure Harry. So they don't. So with this, we don't know if it's Eddie Brock or it's uh, Harry inside the suit. So I mean, you talked about how you're kind of surprised that they announced Wolverine. Which, when you think about it, like yes, we had no inkling that this was coming out. So some people probably taken off, like kind of surprised by it. But it makes sense that Insomniac would develop a Wolverine game because I mean. One, Insomniac is, as far as developers go for the PlayStation 5 and Sony in general, like, who has been more of an all-star for Sony in recent years than Insomniac? They're essentially god-tier developer at this point. You know, you look at all the stuff they've done with now three Spider-Man games and uh, Ratchet and Clank and then also the Wolverine game. Like, where, like, I mean, Sony would be fine, but, like, Insomniac brings has brought so much to the table for Sony in recent years, including the two biggest releases so far on the PlayStation 5. Um... But, you know, this this new game, Spider-Man 2, will incorporate both Miles Morales and Peter Parker. They'll both be working in tandem to take down Venom. So that's really cool how they used Miles Morales in the first Spider-Man game to set up this one. But but and, and it's also a lot of people are speculating whether this this game is going to have co-op. I mean, that would be cool. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I want to go back to our previous story about Ga- uh, God of War real quick. Uh, did you guys pick up who is doing the voice of Odin? No. It's uh, Richard Schiff, which is the, uh, for anybody that watched the West Wing, he's the one to play Toby. Which I thought was a unique choice for Odin. Oh. All right. Well, hold on, Tricky. I, to finish my thought earlier, it makes sense that Insomniac and Sony would be handling video games by the characters. One, you know, Sony saw a lot of success with Marvel Spider-Man. Wolverine, another popular Marvel character that they can probably make a lot of money off of. But, you know, the X-Men license, the film license, once was with Sony. So, you know, Sony has a relationship there 
with Disney and with Marvel in general because they used to make them X-Men movies. And also, they still own, I think, the rights to Spider-Man because Spider-Man No Way Home is being re- distributed by Sony Pictures releasing. So, obviously, yes, they, they have a relationship with Marvel through those two big franchises, so the fact that they would make you know, Spider-Man and a Wolverine game makes perfect sense. Alright, uh, what was I going to say? It's also announced that Yuri Lowenthal uh, is reprising his role, the original voice actor to come back, which is uh, kind of weird because they removed him for Miles Morales, and now they're bringing it back. Which I thought was really weird. That's just how it rolls. That's just how the cookie crumbles. All right, so that is basically all of our news. Um, also, I'm sorry, I'm, I missed one article here. Uh, the Venom voice actor said that the game is massive, uh, so a lot of people were concerned with how short Miles Morales was, whether or not uh, Spider-Man 2 was going to be short, uh, but the voice actor Tony Todd has confirmed it is, quote, massive. So we're not looking at a short game here. Oh, and then, l- like, look at... um. I mean, just just by the way they introduce these games, like, you ask for a roadmap for the future, and these very these two games are very much in the future. You figure that you know Spider Man Two, it's it's announced to come out in twenty twenty three, so we're not getting that for at least a year and a half probably. And then Mar- then Wolverine didn't even announce anything, so it's probably coming after that. So I mean, these games are you know, in the far flung future. Uh yeah, coming from a tweet, somebody tweeted at Tony Todd says, "Is this true? How long have you known?" My excitement level hit the roof, and he replied. Two months or so, he's known the game is massive. That's why it will not come out until 2023. Also, the uh, if you don't know, Tony Todd, speaking of, you know, we're starting to move into fall season, spooky season with October coming up. Tony Todd, vo- who's the voice of Venom, is the guy who played the original Candyman and, you know, other spooky characters within cinema. So once again, showing Sony's connections to the to Hollywood. All right, so uh, let's do one ad, and then we're going to go into our topic of the week. This portion of the show is brought to you by Twitch Prime. Did you know that Amazon gives you $5 to give to your favorite streamer every month? If you link your Amazon Prime account with Twitch, you can sub to any Twitch page for free. You have to renew it every month, otherwise Amazon is just going to keep your money, though. So remember, so why not just give it to us instead? That's how you do an ad right there. That's how you read an ad. All right. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to play the soundbite because we didn't really get any questions, but we do have a question which leads into our topic of the week. So time to check my social media. All right. So uh, nobody posted, like I said, on the question thread, but David Bray has left a question Here's a question for y'all. What game announcement got you hyped more than any other one? And his answer was his would be the remake of DuckTales because the OG was his very first game that he's gotten that he got and beat. If Legacy of Kane remake is ever announced, I know Yield and I would move that shit to the top of our list. So Yield, uh, this isn't an all time thing, but obviously I think you've already answered. But what was your favorite game announcement from the showcase? From the showcase, Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, other than other than that, I mean, it was it was a bombshell. Insomniac's Doom Wolverine, 
Um, I was excited because I like Wolverine, but then that was all we got. We, we just got a really small teaser trailer. I've learned over my many years of gaming to not get really hyped about this or try not to get really hyped. So obviously when they came out right after that and did Spider-Man 2, which is expected, said 2023. Well, if that's 2023 and all we got was a teaser trailer for Wolverine, we're looking at 2023 or later for Wolverine. So there's no reason to lose your mind over it. So to me, the only really cool thing was Knights of the Old Republic. You want me to give my over? You want me to give my overall opinion of it, or do you want to come back to that? Uh, we'll come back to that. Okay. Alex, what was your favorite announcement out of this? Well, I think first of all, I think David's question is of all time because he did give the example of Ducktales remastered, which was not a part of the showcase. So I'll answer. He did, but. No, no, he did ask for all time. I'm just generalizing it down to the showcase. Well, I'll answer for all time. Uh, real quick, Psychonauts 2, because I never thought we would get another one. Like, it, it looked, that franchise looked dead in the water. So, the fact that we got another one, and it was really good, uh, that probably is the, the thing of all time that got me the most hype, just because it, you never thought we would get another one. From the showcase, I mean, it would have to be either Alan Wake, or it would have to be Night of the Old Republic. I really want to play Alan Wake again, because, you know, like I said, I've played that game before, and it's great but it's been a long time, so I would like to play it again. And Knights of the Old Republic, I guess I do. I'm a Star Wars fan, and I've never played Knights of the Republic, so my first opportunity to play it, hell yeah. Uh, none of the other announcements, as big as some of them were, got me hyped. Um, so yeah, it would have to be either Alan Wake or Knights of the Republic, but for different reasons. When I play the other one, I have not. All right, so... Since Alex did all-time uh, yield, what was your all-time favorite game announcement? I don't uh, – well, uh, as for a remastered announcement, since he said like DuckTales, I don't really know if there has been a remastered one that has ever been announced that I've been like, yes. Not even with Knights of the Republic? Well, okay. I guess you could say, okay, so Knights of the Old Republic then. Because I'm not say anything before that, there's really nothing. I mean, like, okay, that's cool. I haven't played that, so I'll play it. I can't think of an all-time remake that was announced. Well, I, I think that he just means any game announcement. I don't know if he means remake. Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, he did say what game announcement. Uh, oh, well, then Uncharted 2. I would have to say my all-time favorite announcement was when they announced Metal Gear Solid Five. Then I was very disappointed when I found that the game was not going to be completed all the way through. Uh, my favorite announcement from the showcase. I'm going to have to say Wolverine. I thought you were going with God of War because you love slobbering all over that game. I I mean, well, the original God of, or the God of War 2018 version is actually paused to the left because I've been playing through the game again. Uh, so it is a favorite game, but I'm really, really excited to see what, what Insomniac is going to do with Wolverine because I've played and platted both the Spider-Man games and I, I there's no argument with the three of us that Insomniac makes incredible games. So I'm really, really excited to see what they do with Wolverine because Wolverine is one of my favorite comic book uh, action people, superheroes, uh, uh, Stumbling over my words here. Um, but I'm really hyped to see that. It, followed by a very close second of Spider-Man 2 because, uh, like I said, those games are phenomenal. 
I am excited about uh, KOTOR. I've never played the original one. Uh, I've always delayed it. But now that it's coming out for the PlayStation 5, I'm going to play it and buy it. So, uh, yeah, those are three. But mostly I'm hyped for Wolverine because I really want to see what Insomniac does. And, Yield, I'm going to disagree with you. I think we're going to see Wolverine around the same time we get Spider-Man because if they split into two teams, I think that we're going to get them around the same time. Well, and, and that's and that's possibly it, but still, I mean, all we got was a teaser trailer, so that's why I'm like, I'm not getting like oh, over excited. I'm like, cool, something to look forward to, but I want to see more. Well, they, I mean, arguably they did the same thing for Spider Man too. Get a little teaser trailer, same thing. I, so, not that I don't think that Insomniac is capable of releasing both of them around the same time. I assume that this, the team who did Ratchet and Clank is not the same team that did Marvel Spider-Man or Miles Morales. They're just too close to all each other for that one team to handle everything. And if you remember, Insomniac actually did have two studios. Uh, one, I think, in California, and then the other one over in North Carolina. But I don't know how that's set up now, if they still have two studios. But, you know, if you're Sony, are you really going to release these two games close to each other? No. You're going to release one earlier in the year and one later in the year or you're going to say have Spider-Man Two come out? Um, I, I don't know. It's, holiday 2023 seems too far away because it's three years since Miles Morales. So I bet we see early, early springtime because we've seen Horizon come out. Both of the Horizon releases have been early springtime or late winter. So we'll probably see Spider-Man early in the year, and then we'll see Wolverine Holiday. Because there's no reason for Sony to just squish those up. Why would you Why would you want to do that? Especially if Spider-Man 2 is a huge game. Then people just have to barrel through Spider-Man to go play Wolverine. Give those games room to breathe. I don't disagree. I just don't think... Because uh, uh, I've seen somebody say, oh, Wolverine's not coming out until 2025. I'm like, no, that's... It's, I no. mean, that's too far away, but you also have to look at what the other studios within the PlayStation universe are doing and you know after horizon comes out you know that takes up um guerrilla games for a few years polyphony digital is releasing the next gran turismo in march of next year which takes them up sony santa monica is probably releasing god of war next holiday takes them up so insomniac working all these games that's them obviously you're going to have naughty dog working on something and housemark's new game probably is going to take you know the next two or three years so I mean, you have to space these games out because if you release the games all together, then what are you going to have for a holiday season or what are you going to have for the middle of the year? All right. Well, just looking at Insomniac's Wikipedia page uh, for their game releases, uh, just going back to the last 10 years. In 2011, they released Resistance 3 and Ratchet and Clank All for 1. In 2012, they released uh, Full Frontal Assault and uh, Autonauts. In 13, they released Fuse and Into the Nexus. In 14, it was Sunset Overdrive, which was the Xbox exclusive. In 15, they released Slowdown Bull, Fusion, Bad Dinos, and Digit and Dash. Uh, Those are all uh, mobile games. In 2016, they released Ratchet and Clank, Song Song of the Deep, Edge of Nowhere, The Unspoken, and Feral Lies, the last three being Windows games. In 18, they released uh, Speedin' and Spider-Man, uh, 19, Stormland and Strange Strangelets. Uh, that last one being uh, for Magic the Gathering. In 2020, they released Miles Morales. In 21, they released Rift Apart. 
in and then 23 is uh Spider-Man 2 and to be announced as Wolverine. So they've been releasing pretty heavily every year. Yeah, but not all those games are the same size. There are some smaller games sprinkled in there. Song of the Deep was not, you know, the size of Space Spider-Man. And then you also have like the smaller Ratchet and Clank games into the Nexus that was, you know, a downloadable game that was nowhere near as big as Ratchet and Clank 2016 or even Rift Apart. So, I mean, they do have smaller games sprinkled in there. But yeah, they probably have two dedicated studios because there's no way that one studio could do all of that. All right. Also, when when do they find time to eat and use the bathroom or sleep or go on vacation? It just seems like they're churning out games like crazy. It's called Crunch. Yeah, you can't live in Crunch, dude. All right. So let's do overall impressions. Yield, we'll start with you. Overall impressions of the showcase. Overall impressions of the showcase. Uh... Not overly thrilled with it. I have seen better state of place. Wow. Okay. You have any more? You you done? <laughs> uh, for the moment, I'm I'm pretty much done. That, that that's where I'm standing. I, I I sat there and watched it. They started off with Knights of the Old Republic, which I'm like, oh, cool. I've never played that, and I'll play it. Um, the confirming of Alan Wake that was pretty much already leaked. We kind of pretty much knew it was coming, but we just got a confirmation. Um, and I I said what I said about Wolverine. The Uncharted 4 thing, I just rolled my eyes at. Um, and I said it was cool for the to see more of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, the Deathloop. That was the first Deathloop trailer that I saw that made me interested and excited for the game. That I was been looking for a trailer that made me want to like the game. And that trailer did it. But overall, I I for it being a showcase. I was kind of disappointed with it. All right. I mean, overall, I would say that I wasn't, I'm not someone who's going to go out and buy, I didn't play the first Spider-Man. I didn't play Miles Morales. I'm probably not going to buy that right away, if at all. And I'm not going to play Wolverine, probably. When it comes to superheroes, I love teams. I love the X-Men. I love the Avengers. I just love when you have a team of superheroes and everyone kind of brings their own strength. And each one helps fill the gaps on a team where, you know, if there's only one person or two people, you would have, like, these huge gaps on the team. But everyone kind of brings their own strength to make this, the team, like, a, like a, just a fucking steel wall. So I don't really like, like, movies, video games, I don't like the individual focus on superheroes. I want a team aspect to it. So I would be much more excited by a, a new, like, X-Men Legends or something like that, or a Marvel Legends where you have a team coming together and it's, like, co-op. So while... Those games don't particularly interest me. I realize that they're huge names and they will probably sell. And under Insomniac, they'll get great critical reception. So those games will definitely do big numbers for Sony. And under Insomniac, they'll be, I have no doubt, great games. And, you know, God of War, as I said before, I had, so, you know, God of War 2018 was a good game. It was a really good game, but I still had my issues with it that would probably prevent me from, you know, buying the, the sequel Ragnarok right away. I probably won't buy the sequel right away. But I probably will pick it up at some point, like when it goes on sale. Um, yeah, I mean, heavy hitters in there, big names. So even though I would say that the big games didn't necessarily make me want to go out and rush to buy them, like something like Horizon would, I definitely recognize that these are huge names that Sony can throw out there and they'll get a lot of attention and a lot of people will buy them. So I think that it was a very strong showing for Sony, having not only God of War gameplay, but also Spider-Man and Wolverine together, you've got the announcement of KOTOR, because people did not see that coming, even if they didn't see Alan Wake coming. But they also, you know, get to feature a lot of games 
from their third-party partners like Remedy with Alan Wake. Um, you've also got Deathloop, which is coming out in September. Actually, this month, Deathloop is coming out, so it gives them a chance to feature that from Bethesda and show well, that. That should be out by the time the show is out. What's that? Is it? I thought it was the end of the month. Deathloop actually comes out on the 14th, which is the day before the show comes out. Yeah, okay. so, it, I mean, it wasn't just, like, they fit a lot of variety into the show, you know, with, like, Parasite E or Project Eve with Ghostwire Tokyo, within the the cute little game Chia. It kind of gave me vibes. It's like a tropical adventure that gave me vibes of, like, Moana, where you could, like, warg into different animals and use that to solve puzzles and save your, you know, your tropical island paradise. Does it sell to the typical demographic that would buy a PlayStation? Maybe not, but I, I definitely think Chia was a nice game to show off, and, and again, it flexes the variety that Sony has. Uh, and, it, and, you know, depending on what price point it launches at, I think it's definitely a game that I could be interested in. So, I mean, overall, I think they had a strong showing. I was kind of giving Tricky some shit and trolling him on, on Facebook about the the show the, the showcase, but no, they had some heavy hitters. They had a few surprises in there, you know, especially with some of the games that people had never had a chance to play before if you were, you know, a PlayStation-only gamer. And, you know, some smaller games focusing on their own first-party content, but also third-party. So I think Sony did a really good job with this. You know, without if there had been a Sly 5 or a Twisted Metal, then I would have been hyped to the max, but... With in the absence of those, like as far as like the Sony owned franchises, there wasn't anything there that I was particularly keyed in on. So I recognize that what they have there is powerful and has great name recognition and will sell, but it's not something that I will rush about but go out and buy. So strong showing, even if I, you know, wasn't particularly excited by any of the announcements outside of Kotor and the confirmation of Alan Wake. See, and I the only reason uh, okay, I think the showcase was very powerful, and obviously the games that were, the, you know, the God of War and the Wolverine and Spider-Man really got me hyped up and really got me excited. I'm just really saying that this showcase was strong because for months and months and months, all I kept hearing was, we don't know what's coming from Sony. We don't know what's coming from Sony. We don't know what's coming from Sony. Didn't you say that, Tricky? I did say that, but I wasn't hounding and saying, oh, this is why you need to buy an Xbox. But, like, I mean, I think that's a legitimate gripe. That's that's a legitimate concern. If you're like, well, we have God of War, which we don't have a release date for, and then we have Horizon, what else is coming? I'm not in any way, shape, shape or form saying it's not a legitimate complaint. I'm just saying Sony was quiet for so long, and then they come out here and they knock it out of the park with this. Not every announcement was, you know, hype for me. I mean, I'm not excited for Eve. I could care less about Alan Wake. And I'm not doing it to troll anybody. I just, that game doesn't interest me at all. Uh, but they came out with the KOTOR announcement, which I said was, like, mind-blowing to a lot of people. A lot of people got really hyped about that. Uh, but we don't know a release date for that. And then they finished off strong with the, the, the God of War and the Wolverine and the Spider-Man 2. Uh, I could care less about Gran Turismo 7. That's why we didn't even talk about it really other than the release date. But I think it was a really strong showing from Sony. I think uh, it, it shut up a lot of people and it satisfied uh, a lot of people. I just think for the next one, Sony cannot take so long to come back and tell us what the hell they're doing. I kind of wish this one was more than 40 minutes long. Maybe push it to an hour, hour and a half at max. I wish there would have been more, but... I'm satisfied with what came out. You, you you said that, you know, Sony, you don't want Sony to take as long to, you know, 
announced games. How many times have we said, and I think this has come out of Yield's mouth before, but people show us a game and then they delay it and they delay it and they delay it. Like there is something bad about just going like, Hey, here's our slate for the next 10 years. Here's the next hundred games we're going to make. They have to be a little bit more conscious in how they reveal games and when they reveal them. But absolutely. And I agree with you, but let's just take the two Insomniac games. If they announced Wolverine in a state of play two months ago, and then they came out with Spider-Man, you think they would have gotten as much praise as they did by releasing the back-to-back, like the way they did? So you're making an argument for them taking longer to announce things and just announcing things in big bunches. Well, I mean, okay, let me give you another example. Alan Wake. We got the announcement, we got the rumor, then we got confirmation on Thursday, as of this recording, which was two days ago, three days ago. Um, And now we know that Alan Wake is coming next month. Like, that's perfect. Come out and say, okay, this is what we we got coming, and this is the day it's going to be out. So nobody's sitting there going, oh, we got to wait a year for this. Because I, as as hyped as I am for Spider-Man 2, it crushed me when I saw 2023. I was like, damn it, that's two more years before we get, get our hands on this game. Horizon and Gran Turismo, and then also probably God of War coming out at the end of next year. You want them to throw Spider-Man in that mix, so that in twenty twenty three people are like, well, what the fuck are we going to play, Sony? I I just I, I would have been more hyped if they didn't tell us twenty twenty three. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, well, well, them not telling you twenty twenty three in the trailer doesn't make the game come out any sooner. No, no, but it but it drives home the point that we got to wait two years for that. Where if they didn't announce a date, I mean, any logical gamer would assume that it's probably going to come out in twenty twenty three. But confirmation that's when it is. Because now the I've seen people saying, "Well, it says 2023, but it's not going to come out until 2024." Well, you're you're probably right because um, it it may end up getting delayed by then. Okay, so look look at this way. So you're focusing on the big games, tricky, the big AAA games, and you know we've talked about how oh, what's Sony going to have for us at this time, and what's Sony going to do at this time. And I mentioned a game, and I didn't mention that Fist was essentially PlayStation exclusive on the consoles to hold it over anyone's head to be like, hey, Switch owners, hey, Xbox owners, look at this. this look at this game that we have. No, I did it to point out that that is a smaller game, a really awesome game, that you can play on the 5 and the 4 and can't get it on any other console. So that is obviously something that, yes, it's also on PC, but that's also something that Sony has done, a really awesome game that Sony has brought exclusively to their brand of consoles that we have to play. So I think that it's not like, you can't just always think in terms of, well, when's the next big AAA game coming? You also have to look at some of the smaller games that are coming our way. Um, Ken and Bridge of Spirits, did we ever confirm that whether that's multi-platform or not? I'm sure that we know by now or not. But I think you, I think you confirmed that it was exclusive. But that's coming out in September. That's another game that Sony has on their console. So, I mean, you can't always think of ter- in terms of, hey, this is only coming out on the... Um... Well, it says it's on Microsoft Windows. I don't necessarily know if that means... So it could go on the Xbox, but I don't know if it... It's it's a PlayStation console exclusive. So, but I mean, those are two really awesome games. Well, I, we haven't played Kenna yet, but it looks great. And Fist, that are coming to the PlayStation 5. So, I don't know. Like, just this focus on oh, well, what are the big studios doing? You're kind of missing some of the smaller games in there that are help filling some of the holes in between the bigger games. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not denying that at all. I mean, but 
I mean, as far as the showcase goes, I'm just talking about the showcase. I think Sony came out strong with this. I think they made a statement with this and saying, you know, just because we're not talking doesn't mean we're not working. Well, yeah, you don't get to be in a position where Sony is at without, you know, having nothing to play. So, I mean, it kind of seems like you're asking for both things, Tricky. You want both sides of it. You're like, well, they shouldn't leave such big gaps in their their contents like announcements, but then also you're praising them for how exciting and how big you thought this showcase was. So I don't really know if you want everything kind of like meted out a little bit more across the year or if you want like a big show like this where they announce a whole bunch of things. Well, what I'm what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we didn't get our typical E3 uh reveal. I mean, this is September, E3 is generally in June. Uh we didn't get that at least for the last 3 years with Sony like we had to wait for some kind of online video or showcase or something. I but the the main criticism coming out after the PlayStation 5 is that we do not know what is coming. And while I think it Sony took too long to announce this, I think because of the how long they took, they came out strong with this and said, don't worry, we got you covered. This is what's coming. Well, also, like, you can't always rely on just Sony's, you know, press conferences to do this for you. Have your ear to the ground. Go to the PlayStation blog. They have smaller developers and studios, some of their partners, posting on there, you know, and and that'll give you an idea of what is coming. It's not just, well, we don't have another state of play, and they're not going to announce some big game, so I don't know what they're doing. Go to the PlayStation blog. There's a reason the PlayStation blog exists. They have a PlayStation blog podcast. That'll probably give you some insight of what they're doing. There are all these avenues where you can gain information from Sony. So yeah, if you're only looking at the stuff that is a big web broadcast, then yeah, you might feel like you're in the dark, but there are other avenues where you can find information on games that are coming to the console and not just the AAA games. So I don't know. All right, so let's wrap up the show. Uh, Any closing thoughts, Yield or Alex? I think Sony did a good job. I I don't think, I, I think that they have some big sellers in there. They have some big names and the fact that they kind of continue to hit that superhero drum at this moment in time, while there may be some fatigue, I think overall it's a good idea. You have your big flagship title out there with God of War. So I think the next few years from Sony look particularly strong. So I, I think they did a good job. And, you know, like I said, just don't don't wait for the next day to play because check out the PlayStation blogs. Check out their podcast. There's other ways you can find information about this stuff. So, yeah. But overall, I, I think Sony's doing a good job with its games. Um, I think they're there's no complaint there for me as a PlayStation 5 owner, because if you've noticed, since I got the PlayStation 5, I'm playing a lot more new games on, on Sony's ecosystem. It's not just like, well, I played Pokemon Snap this week for the 7,000th year. Enjoy. All right. Yield? I agree with what Alex said, as it was a strong showing, but I still think that it was, and for, for me, it was lackluster, not for everybody. All right. And like I said, I I think this was a very strong show from Sony. All right, so let's close out the show with some shout-outs. Alex, let's start with you, sir. Give a shout-out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horse. Thank you all for continuing to support the show, support us on Twitch, however you decide to support us. We thank you very much, because without you guys, 
and gals, we would not be here uh, without our, our without our fans, without our community. I guess should, we should say because you guys really kind of keep us engaged as well. It's not just the podcast or Twitch; it's you all keeping us engaged with thoughtful questions and con- with and discussion and news topics that you post on on the Thread and Trophy Horrors on the Facebook page. Uh, so thank you guys for keeping the conversation going and engaging us as well. You guys are the like I said, the the fuel to the fire to everything we do here. Give a shout out to Tricky and to Yield for recording to recording with me. Sorry, I was trying to jump to the next uh, the next thought, and I, I kind of stumbled over that. A shout out to Fist Forge and Shadow Torch, which is an awesome little game. Like I said, I think that little game is kind of a little condescending. It's there's a lot of content there, and it's a great game. So you should definitely go go pick it up if you like the Metroidvania style of game. Fantastic overall. Last but not least, give a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend, Ashley. I love you, honey. And uh, yeah, that is going to be the end of my shout outs. Yield. So uh, shout out to uh, Alex and the Brain76 for some Rocket League Thursday throwdown. Shout out to Nitro for running some Rocket League Saturday. Uh, Shout out to Tricky and Alex for recorded night. Shout out to uh, the Troy Memorial. Uh, his uh, birthday is today as we record. Uh, shout out to Gareth. I think his is tomorrow uh, as we record. Um, that'll do me this week. And I want to give a shout out to Sweet Mama D, who recently started school. Uh, she's two weeks in now and having a ball. She's glad to be back to in-person school learning. Uh, shout out to the listeners. Shout out to Yield and Alex. Uh, and if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. See ya later. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. What's up, everybody? I'm here to cover our asses, and uh, especially since Tricky couldn't give credit to any of the articles that he read from during the show, so I'm uh, here to cover our bases. So the we had two articles from, from Apple, or in the uh, Epic versus Apple suit from IGN.com. The uh, first article is from Rebecca Valentine, and the second one is also from Rebecca Valentine doing a a lot of work there on the Apple versus Epic front. The purchase of Fire Sprite was also an IGN.com article by Taylor Lyles. The Gran, Tur- Gran Turismo 7 release date article from IGN.com written by Logan Plant. 
The news on Corey Barlog not being the upcoming director of God of War Ragnarok comes from IGN.com and writer Jared Moore. In the realm of, in the realm of Borderlands and the spinoff Tiny Tina's Wonderland, we get that from IGN.com, also written up by Logan Plant. God damn, Tricky, you love IGN. Also got uh, the GTA 5 news coming at you from Bowmore on IGN.com. Our Guardians of the Galaxy news from IGN.com and author Rebecca Valentine. Spider-Man 2 news, especially in regards to our friend Tony Todd, coming from IGN.com and writer Jared Moore. Last but not least, the Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy collection uh the remasters coming from cat bailey at ign.com so uh there you go record this on a tuesday night trying to add it in the show to uh to save us from legal repercussions you're welcome tricky <laughs>